you have an engine that is powering the things that you want to do in your life, and it is your agency. And why in the world would you not go tune up your agency every now and then? Welcome to the Insurance Refocus Podcast, where we're highlighting real agent stories and how they are innovating to respond to the changes and challenges happening in the independent insurance industry. My name's Lindsay, and I can't wait to introduce you to my amazing co-host, who just so happens to be my mom, Carrie Wallace. Mom, how are you doing today? Today is a fantastic day. It's a Friday, the sun is shining, and we are honored to have Miss Josh Gurley, Mr. Josh Gurley <laughs> from HM Advisors with us today. Josh, thanks for joining us today. Well, Carrie, thank you for having me. You're one of my favorite people, uh, some a friend, a counselor, you know, all the above, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, I feel the same way about you. We got to spend some time in Napa where, you know, we actually even got to know each other's spouses, which is unusual for me in this industry. Maybe not for you, but that was a super fun time, right? It was a good time. And I'm glad that that Daniel put that thing together. And uh, I think it's always good to get uh, to know people kind of in a different way or in more of a personal level. And uh, I think that's one of the best things about the insurance industry is that we make a lot of personal relationships with people and uh, we get to know them kind of outside of the business. And I think that was a really, really special opportunity. And I'm I'm glad we were all able to be a part of that. I agree, man. I totally agree. Daniel knocked it out of the park by bringing that group together. Well, Josh, it's good to meet you. We haven't had the pleasure yet. So I uh, thank you for coming on today and I look forward to this conversation. But would you give me just a little bit of background into uh, your journey into insurance and ultimately becoming an agency owner? Sure. So I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest version of this. Uh, I was in college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, My father was a school superintendent of a public school system. And he suggested that I get into the insurance business. And so he had hired a risk manager for uh, his uh, school system that he was running and thought it might be a good career path for me. He told me he'd never met a broke insurance agent. So I thought, well, maybe that's something that that I should should get involved in. I went on to college a couple of years and I actually was an intern at the Georgia School Boards Association. And they have a workers' comp risk management fund and a uh, kind of a property casualty uh, self-insured fund that they have for the public school systems in Georgia. Um, Way back in the day when they got going, my dad was one of the people that, uh, I'm not going to say he he put it together by himself or anything like that, but he was certainly one of the, one of the folks that rounded up uh, some of the different school systems and helped them get together. And they, they kind of put this co-op together. So, that was a little bit of experience that I think he had had from an insurance perspective. And so I just took his advice and said, let's go for it. And I went and got myself a degree in risk management and insurance. I uh, spent a little time on the road as a traveling musician. My hair was a lot longer back then and uh, played guitar for, for a couple of years. Uh, then I met my wife or my girlfriend at the time. Now my wife, Ashley, who Carrie's met. and 
we got pretty serious and I said, man, I got to, I probably need to get serious about my career. And so I got into the, the insurance business and here I am uh, 12 years later uh, and couldn't be, couldn't be happier to be a part of the industry. Hey guys, if you're looking to improve your bottom line, allow your team to operate efficiently and really improve that customer retention, I believe you should check out Ascend. Ascend is the all-in-one insurance payment solution. They are focused on streamlining your invoicing, premium financing, accounting, and they'll even make your carrier payables for you. They are taking agency bill and making it as easy as direct bill. That is a game changer. They integrate with all of the major AMS players. And here's the best part. It's free. There is no subscription, no cost to you. They allow your customers to pay how they want. If you are interested in improving your efficiency, go visit ascend.com backslash insurance refocused and let them know that we sent you. And how did you end up becoming an agency owner from that? Did you take over the agency that you worked at or how did that process go? Well, I think I have some interesting opinions on this. I mean, I think we like live in this world where it's easier than it's ever been to become an agency owner. And I think that being an agency owner is it, it should not be considered a badge of honor. Um, there's a lot of people that are very successful in our industry as producers working at, at various different firms. Um, and I think, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, like I said, it's easier than ever to become an agency owner. It's easier than ever to get an insurance license. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that's a good thing for the insurance industry. I think there's been a ton of focus on marketing and sales and things like that. I think that's all great. But as I remind people all the time, because I'm kind of an insurance purist, this whole thing started uh, over in in Europe and they were sending these ships over here to the new world and they would get crushed by storms and there'd be pirates and, and, and all the stuff that were on these ships and the ships themselves would, would, you know, they wouldn't make it here. And so they figured out, hey, why don't we just, you know, charge a little money, take a little risk. And then if the ship makes it, hey, we pocket the money. If the ship doesn't make it, then we pay for the cost of the goods or the cost of the ship. They wrote the deal up. They would draw a line on the deal and then people would sign their name underneath the line and they would they would say how much risk they would take. And that's where the term underwriter comes from. So I like to think about our industry as this very traditional business all the forms are filed at the state level all the rates are filed at the state level you know it's a highly regulated business uh that we're in and it's a business of of great honor you know where somebody has their worst day and then we step into that that worst day and we help them get back to the place that they were before that and i think that for the most part our industry does a really really good job at that and if you think about all these natural disasters that we've had i think it was like 22 billion dollars in cat claims that happened this past year it was one of the largest years of cat claims in the in the history you know of the world and insurance companies they stepped up to the plate and they paid these claims 
And so I think sometimes insurance companies, they get a bad rap. Insurance agents get a bad rap. But at the end of the day, when a hurricane comes through and blows your house to the ground, um, the insurance company is who's who's standing up for you and, and getting getting that house built back or getting that building built back. Um, you know, you could have a momentary slip in judgment. You could pull out your cell phone and, and you could answer a call. And the next thing you know, you've reared somebody and you, you've killed a family of four. And you and this is a terrible thing that's happened. And then the insurance company stands in the way of that. And so I think that that there's really not a more noble business that you could be involved in than the insurance industry. I think that probably some antiquated technology, uh, some claims, uh, pressures that have happened, keeping expense ratios down for carriers. Sometimes claims adjusters have more claims than they, they should or they could handle. Um, and there's a lot of competitive pressures out there that makes that can make that a little bit difficult at certain times. But I do believe for the most part that it's an industry full of good people and uh, everybody's doing the best they can. They can. I mean, there's a million people, I think, in the country that work in the insurance. There's definitely a lot. There's over 40,000 independent insurance agencies in the country, Josh. I agree with you. I've met some of the absolute best people in this industry. And let me just tell you, you're 100% right. They're not all owners. I've met some incredible people that are producers. I've met some incredible people that are service, in-carriers, insure-tech. Like, there's a lot of great people. And without question, I think... um, you know, one of the one of the reasons I stayed in this industry, I came in not as as straight line as you. I don't have a risk management degree. I never thought insurance was going to be the place I would be. But the reason I stayed is that I got to meet some people that actually think the way you do, that it's a noble profession, that they do things to keep people's lives whole. They're involved in their community. And it, it's pretty inspiring, to be quite honest with you. And I also agree with you that there's a lot of people in our industry that think in order to quote unquote, make it, you need to be an insurance, insurance agency owner. I I don't know if that's the truth. You know, in my line of work, I see a lot of people that aspire to be owners. You are sitting in an owner's seat today. What would you say to someone who wants to take that journey how could they prepare to know if they're right for ownership versus producing service or any other role inside the industry? What would you say? How would they, how would they know? Well, I think there's only a couple of ways to get into ownership here. You may know better than I do, but at least in my opinion, my humble opinion, there's a couple of ways to get into ownership. Uh, Number one, uh, you call up an aggregator that is willing to, give anybody uh, you know, a contract that has a decent business plan. And then you start up and you say, hey, I own an agency. Um, you go and you become a producer at an insurance agency and then you build a book of business, you, you gain equity, and you hope that you're in a good situation to where you can buy the entire agency or you can get as much equity as possible. Um, and then number three, I mean, if you got a lot of cash, you can just go buy somebody. Um, I mean, those are really the main three things. But to Kerry's point, and this may have changed, I mean, when you told me uh, at an event a few years ago or told our group at an event a few years ago that 59% of 
of the agencies are under $500,000 in revenue. I mean, I just about fell out of my chair. And I think this is kind of kind of a cool thing, you know. So, so like, I remember one time somebody was asking Andy Stanley, who's a preacher, you know, they were like, you know, you got this church, you know, 20,000, 30,000 people that go to this church. And it's like, maybe you're just too big. And he was like, well, we have big impact, right? We give away millions of dollars to people. We can help tremendous amounts of, of people better their lives. And I think the same thing is true in insurance. And I'm not knocking the lifestyle you know, agency owner by any stretch of the imagination, but I certainly do think that if your goal is to start an agency, you know, have a book of business that's $250,000, it's you and a helper and a couple pieces of technology um, you might be selling yourself short versus what you could do elsewhere. I mean, because I think, and, and there's, there, there's a friend of mine that has an agency, he started from scratch and he got to about $150,000 in revenue, hundred thousand in revenue. And then he realized like, man, I cannot service all these accounts myself. And so then he had, then he's got to go hire somebody. Well, that eats into the revenue tremendously. And so it's kind of like this this game that just kind of inches up, you know, up, back, up, back, up, back. And maybe, maybe somebody could go be a producer. They could have all of their service taken care of for them. They could have all their applications, all their marketing. Everything's done for them. And their job is to go out there and bring in new business. And so for me, I mean, that was a much more attractive option starting out than saying, hey, I just want to hang a shingle and put my name on it. And so that's, you know, that's the route that, that I took. And the other thing that I thought was, well, if I become a partner in an agency that is a little bit bigger, I feel like the value of that agency is going to be more than if I have a really small agency on my own. Because starting out, you know, it, the contracts that you need, you don't always have with all the insurance companies. You can't operate in the way that, that you want to operate. And so for me, I mean, joining an agency, being a producer was kind of the, the thing that was the best fit for me. And I had a small piece of a bigger pie. And now, you know, I have a substantial piece of an even bigger pie. And I think for me, that was the, you know, that was the best route. Obviously, that's not the route that most people go but that's, that's, it worked that way for me. If you're like me and many other small businesses across the country where hiring, training, and retaining employees is a challenge, Agency VA has a solution for you. Agency VA has over a thousand VAs hired, managed, and trained in the Philippines, Latin America, and India. But did you also know they have 100 licensed agents here in the U.S. that can help you manage your book? I use a VA who lives in the Philippines, and I absolutely love her. The process was simple. We had a consultation where they asked me my needs, goals, and concerns, and matched me with Allie, who has been an absolute game changer for me. Employing Allie through Agency VA has allowed me to focus on my business without worrying about HR concerns, turnover, and monitoring payroll. The best part is the Agency VA team 
was eager to help my company and also make sure that Allie is getting employee benefits, a competitive salary to help her live a better life in the Philippines. If this is something that you are struggling with inside your agency, please visit agencyva backslash insurance refocused and set up a time to talk to them about your hiring needs. You know, it's funny is most people, you, you left one out, which I don't think you intended to do, but lots of people are born into it. Like it's a, it's a succession of a family business. Um, and here's the thing, like, I, I know that you're an incredibly successful producer. You like to close deals. I mean, if anybody's met you, they know that that's what you do. Like you're very, very good. Right. And it's something you love doing. You like serving your clients. I'm sure you love serving your community, but you also really like to, to close deals, but you had to move when you chose to move into ownership. That means now I manage people, I manage carriers, I have to make tech decisions, I got to, you know, that's a different, that's a different body of work. And maybe it's not for everyone. You said it, like, you can start this on your own and hang a shingle out there, but it's, it's a bigger job and a different skill set. And I don't think some people understand the jumping from producer to owner, what that means. So what would you tell people like that? Well, I think like in our organization, um, I did have the benefit of kind of increased responsibilities over the years related to that. So it wasn't all brand new for me. Um, but I definitely think that, I mean, for the most part, I guess you're right, unless you're born into it, the people that produce the most have the most responsibility related to people. I mean, that's just it. And being a great producer does not make you a a great leader. And the things that are important to you as a producer may not be that important to a staff or a group of people that you have. And so, you know, I've tried to live by a couple different um, things as a leader, you know, and I mentioned Andy Stanley, he's got a great, a lot of great stuff, but he talks a lot about doing for one what you wish you could do for everybody, right? And so one thing that I try to do is look for opportunities to do for one person what I could do for everybody. And in this book, he makes this this uh, example about a like some kind of three-hole punch or automatic stapler, you know, or something like that. And and it was just like this really simple thing, and it just changed this whole person's life that, that worked for him because not because they got an automatic stapler or three-hole punch or whatever, but it was because they thought, like, here's this guy that's this leader of this big organization, and all of a sudden, he looks at me, sees something that I need, and and he gives that to to that person, which is doesn't cost much money, but it's just kind of a thing that says like, hey, I notice you, and I notice, and I notice what you're what you're doing. I mean, so I think you have to like seeing your people develop. I think you have to enjoy, you know, giving them a raise every now and then. Like, you can't be somebody that wants to keep everything for yourself. Um, I think that. You know, you have to um, realize that what is rewarded is repeated, right? So when people give great service, you reward that service, then they're going to repeat that. And I also think, especially in a, in a small business, in any business, I mean, vision does not stick. And on average, if you lose, if if you 
um, don't ca- recast your vision every 30 to 45 days, then your people are, are going to forget why they're doing what they're doing. And you know, that was the example. I, you know, we were talking about moving the time of this podcast. And I was like, no, I'm taking my whole office to lunch at 1230. I'm closing the, closing the office for two hours. But I really think, you know, you have to do that stuff and do it consistently. And look, you're not always going to get it right. And I talk about this a lot. I talk about the trust bank that with your employees, with your clients, with whoever, you know, there's this bank and you have to keep making deposits into that bank on a regular basis because every now and then you're going to do something that people don't like. And, you know, it might be the right decision. It might be the wrong decision, but there's going to be a withdrawal from that, from that bank. And you don't want to bounce any checks. And that's really the main thing that, that I think from a leadership perspective is you got to give more than you, you got to give more than you take. Um, you have to reward what's repeated. You got to do one for one, what you wish you could do for everybody. And then the other thing is like, uh, you know, mutual submission. And so I talk a lot about this, uh, to people and try to empower them to do their job. And I try to tell an account manager, well, why don't you make the final decision? And I think sometimes they're a little bit taken back by that. Like, well, hold on, you own the agency. And I'm like, well, yes, that's true. But I'm never going to be able to get my agency to that next growth bracket if I have to make every decision. And so whether it's deciding, you know, what carrier we should place an account with or whether it's deciding what direction we should go on a certain issue, you know, I'll give my input. But I really want to empower them to make those you know, decisions, because I think when people feel like they can come to work and they can make decisions independently and do what they think is best for the client, I think that they're going to respect you more as a leader. And I think that they're, and, and I think when that recruiter comes knocking on the door, they're going to think to themselves, well, gosh, it's pretty hands off. I mean, he trusts me to make these, these decisions. And who knows what this other person's going to do? Are they going to measure my mouse clicks? Are they going to tell me that I that I didn't do the forty-two step process that, that has been developed by somebody that's never sold an insurance policy, that's never serviced an insurance policy, that couldn't sell their way out of a paper bag? It's just somebody that's looking at a spreadsheet. And so, I think that when you kind of take all those things, you put, you put those things together. I mean. You can help create a uh, a rich culture, and I don't think that a rich culture is all about having you know blue jean Fridays, a great social media post where you everybody's smiling and happy. I mean, I think rich culture is about empowering people to do their job because people they want to matter. You know, they want what they do to matter, and I think if you empower them. To go do what matters for the client, I think it makes. I totally um, agree with you. I you mentioned multiple important topics. I I actually just finished my master's in public administration degree, um, and as you were as you were talking, I was thinking in my head all of the points that you just made. Leadership, you know, I make sure my my staff feels empowered to make decisions and they feel important in their job. 
culture, I make sure to take a step back and allow the office to just have fun together, come out to lunch and experience being together without being actually in the office. You talked about um, lots of other things, but communication, going over your vision, a bunch of things. Those were all of the points of my final presentation of my capstone that I actually presented on uh, as I went through everything I learned in my program. So that was like a weird connection for me in my brain as you were talking. I'm like, oh, I actually learned all these things. And it's interesting to like hear your experience of putting them in practice. But one of the most important things that I think you said was um, that you have to continuously go over your vision and your mission of the organization so your employees know where they're going. Could you talk a little bit about when you came into majority ownership of your agency, did you change the mission and vision and what impact did that have on your staff and kind of what did that look like? Well, I think that, I mean, the short answer is a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, a little bit. I mean, I I think I was given a tremendous opportunity uh, to take an agency to kind of a different place than we have been in the past. Um, You know, our agency was not always, uh, what it is today and when we got here we were in that 59 percent you know and so to go from you know that 59 percent to the top 10 percent in a matter of eight years uh, has required a tremendous amount of production and uh i think that's why sometimes i get anxious you know like it's it's, it's almost like you're an addict. You know, right, I issued a policy right before this for, for a client of mine. They're, they own a, a group of restaurants, and they're building another uh, a, new, a new restaurant. And I issued a little builder's risk policy for them, so my shake kind of went away. But sometimes, sometimes you do feel like, an, like you're an addict as a, as a producer. You know, like you haven't bound anything in a minute, and you're, you're like, you know, you don't, something doesn't feel right. You got, you got to get that fixed. Um, and it's it's weird, right? As as a as a producer, because you know I sold the largest account I've ever sold on uh, April fifteenth, and so here I am on April twenty eighth when we're recording this, thirteen days later from the largest account I've ever sold in my career, and I got the shakes and a and a thousand dollar commission builder's risk policy, you know, gets me better. So I just want you to know I've been operating un, under that kind of thought over, over the past. Uh, you know, over the past eight years. But, you know, I think we've always done a pretty good job of, of empowering people. Um, you know, I just want to further further do that because, you know, uh, my partner, Andrew, his father-in-law, uh, you know, who's, who's a great guy, you know, he had his own book of business. And so we've had to assume some of those accounts and those relationships. So my role as a producer, even though, now we own the whole agency my role as a producer really has even increased over what it was because not only do i have my clients i have all of his clients now that i'm trying to build to build a relationship with um so you know i think just pretty much um you know continue to empower people to you know to do their job and and do it better and making it easier for them is something that that we're really working hard on so you mentioned Andrew, and honestly, this is a thing, Josh, that I, I think a lot of people 
underestimate going into partnership with another person. We listen, my longest partnership is with my husband. We'll, we'll celebrate 30 years of marriage this coming year. And it, you know, it's a give take relationship. There's no two ways around that. But when you go into partnership in business with someone, I, I think it sounds great. Everything's awesome. And if you don't put the rules of engagement out there or the ex- expectations about what that's going to be, it could, it could be a, um, a difficult thing, right? Just like if people don't put the right expectations in their marriage, it could be a difficult thing if you're not on the same page. You clearly have a great uh, partnership. You were pr- probably very thoughtful in that approach. What advice would you give Again, younger people who think, I want to be an owner, I want to have a partner, I want to do these things. The problem is you don't know until you get there what that actually means. So I'd love to hear your advice to someone who's going to, that's what they think they want. What are the things they should be actually thinking and really contemplating in their mind? Yeah, well, the first thing I'll say is that when we got together, I mean, we really had no idea what this would become. And I, I would tell you that it's really good to dream, but it's but it's even better to kind of put your head down and go to work. Uh, but if but if your plan works, I mean then you kind of you kind of get there and you think to yourself, maybe I was just naive in the beginning and, and we didn't maybe plan anything out like we you know like we should have. I think some of it with Andrew was that was was luck, dumb luck. I mean you know, he he introduced me to my wife for crying out loud. I mean, I met Andrew on the back of a flatbed truck. We were playing a music gig together. I show up and Andrew's on the back of this truck and it's like, Hey, I'm Andrew and hey, I'm Josh and you know, we became fast friends and you know, he was like, Hey, I'm you know, I sell insurance and I said, Oh, I got a degree in insurance. I'm you know, trying to play music full time and so I think it was like a just kind of a match made in heaven, so to speak, uh, with him. But I think so. There are some practical things that you need to make sure when you have a partner. Um, number one is you have to make sure that their moral compass and your moral compass align. Um, if if you're with in partnership, or you may be in partnership with somebody that. Every now and then they do something that makes the hair on your neck stand up. You might want to consider doing something different uh, because that's not the kind of relationship that you want to be in. You also want to make sure that you're in business with somebody who is responsible with their personal finances. Um, you know, just look my my opinion, but you don't want somebody who's going to be trying to get a loan from the agency or trying and run the agency like their, their personal piggy bank. Um, certainly, you know, Gary can attest, hopefully we don't run our agency like a piggy bank. I mean, we run it like a business. Absolutely. Um, you know, and so I think that's very important. There's a couple rules that we have. Don't, don't talk about each other behind each other's back, go straight to the person with it. And then the last one and the most important thing was like, don't, don't get greedy. I, I can't emphasize the last one enough. Like, don't don't get greedy. There is plenty of money out there in every agency for every owner if people are willing to work together 
not worry about who gets the credit. You know, I mean, this podcast is a great example. I mean, Andrew has never been on a podcast, not ever. Really? Never. He's never recorded a podcast. He's never spoken in front of a group of people. Um, and he doesn't really, he doesn't care about that. I, I mean, he, he doesn't, I don't even think he wants that. But well, my, it's not who he is, right? It's just yeah. not who he is. Yeah. Yeah. But my point is, is here's a guy that's like equally as integral to this deal as I am. And he's got a totally different set of skills. And if, but if you look at my involvement in being, being in the industry, you know, I've been introduced to carriers I wouldn't have met otherwise. I've had people refer me accounts that, hey, I don't have a market for this or I don't have whatever. I mean, it's benefited me in, in, in many different ways, which has also also benefited, you know, benefited Andrew. But this is a great example is he has benefited from some of the stuff that I've kind of done out there. And then also I've benefited from a ton of the work that he's done behind the scenes. And so. I just think that if you don't worry about who gets credit for what and everybody works in their giftedness, then you're going to be the most successful. And, and and I tell everybody all the time, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I learned about being a great producer came from, I mean, came from Andrew and I certainly would not be in the position I'm in today without him. And I think vice versa. And I think sometimes when you have these partnerships that are that are great, um, you think about what could what could you do on your own. And I don't think the sum of what I could do on my own would be a hundred percent of me would not be more than fifty percent of what I have. You know, and um, I just think that when you have a great partner like that, you just better hold on to them and do what you need to do to support them. And look, if they go through something tough in their life personally, you need to stand with them. Uh, if if you go through something tough, then they'll stand with you. And, you know, I think if you just live by those rules, um, you know, every, everything's going to work out. But the thing that I see break up great partnerships, and I'm sure you've probably seen this before, Terry, is power and money. Always. It's always that. It really is an imbalance in power or a different approach to money is what breaks up business partnerships, in my opinion. And I think you said something really important. The sum, the hundred percent of me is not more value than 50% with somebody else. Like you've got to be able to go beyond with the person that you're with, which means they have strengths you don't have. And you have strengths they don't have. And the only way you know that is to work alongside each other for a period of time. I think sometimes it looks all rosy, but you really don't have the experience to know what that looks like. And just like you need to recast your vision over time, life changes. I mean, you're going to have a 20, 30 year relationship with somebody, or you could. You, maybe not for everyone, but you could be in partnership for many, many years. That means through the birth of children, through all kinds of life's ups and downs, and you've got to be able to rely on each other and be able to weather those things together and renegotiate what that means 
throughout that time. So if you're not communicating to that person, that's what I've seen is people just like in a marriage, they've grown apart or they have a different situation and they're not able to communicate to each other and they get to different places, even though they might've started at the same place and having a strong foundation allows you to do that. So, you know, our, our industry is full of great people, but I don't think we all talk about how to form great partnerships, run great businesses, be strong in this. We talk about coverage. We talk about dealing with our clients. We talk about all those things because that's what you all do. But these topics sometimes just don't get talked about, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, and I think it's like unfortunate because I think a lot of times, you know, agents, you know, look, maybe I've probably been guilty too. I mean, you know, we, we want to talk about all business stuff and how well our business is doing and what school our kids go into and you know, this, that, and the other, and but and look, I had I told you I was coming in hot. I didn't have any plan, but look, none of us can take this with us. That's right. I mean, we can't. You know, we can't take it with us. I mean, whether we go to heaven or hell or or it all goes black, we can't take any of this stuff with us. And so, to me, the best way to live is just to is just to not be greedy in these partnerships and to be generous, you know, with, with the people that are, you know, that, that are around you. And it just like, every time I hear about a partnership blowing up over a little bit of money or a little bit of power, you know, it just kind of, it just makes me sad really. Um, because no matter how much money you make, there's always somebody that makes more. And, you know, you got certain people that were the richest person in the world for a time, and now they're not. And, and I mean, you know, it's true. I mean, that person has changed a dozen times in the past, you know, 20 years. So, you know, ultimately, for, for me, it doesn't matter. I mean, the things that matter the most are, you know, having good relationships, you know, especially with my wife and my children and, you know, a good business partner and, my dad always told me that you do the best you can do and let it go where it goes. Amen to that. You had a good dad. I guarantee that. My dad would say stuff just like that. So here's what I'm going to tell you, Josh. First of all, I think that there's a lot of people out there contemplating ownership or contemplating partnership that'll get a lot out of the the advice that you gave. Absolutely. Well, I will I will give one more little tidbit of advice to the people that are out there listening. I'm reading this book right now. My wife and I are reading this book, and it's an interesting book. And it's called uh, like How to Live Your Rich Life. I can't I can't really remember the author's name, but it's a it's not really a book about money, but it's really just a book about what do you want in your life. You know, and the section that we're on right now is like creating a bucket list of things that you want to do, things that you want to experience, and you know. I will tell agency owners this. I think everybody should go through this exercise and they should decide like what, what they really want and they should tune out kind of what the world is telling them and they should think about what they really want for their own life and they should use their agency. And look, and if you, if, if, and Carrie didn't ask me to say this, I'm just going to say it. But if you were to engage with somebody like Carrie, that helps you show that can help show you some areas that you might need to clean up in your agency, some areas that you know you may want to consider changing to make your agency more valuable, 
whatever the case may be, you know, she will help show you that you have an engine that is powering the things that you want to do in your life. And it is your agency. And why in the world would you not go tune up your agency every now and then? I mean, we tune up the engine for our truck. We have to have maintenance done on our house or whatever. You certainly could do much worse things than have a tune-up to your agency's uh, financials. And I'm Carrie, I did. I wanted to say that. And I look, you didn't ask me to say it, but I'm going to say it. This is your show. You can edit it out if you want to. But 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 I want <laughs> but I want the people to hear it because I think what you've done for me has certainly, you know, helped me see some things that that I could make some changes in. Although the list wasn't wasn't super long, I think we're doing some good things. Yeah, you're doing great things in your agency. But here's what I will tell you. By having that list of what you're working towards, I think it puts it in perspective. If someone isn't introspective in saying, what do I want? What am I working for? It's easy to get mired in things that maybe don't matter and things that maybe aren't what's most important. So by by putting that point in the horizon and then using that as your guide to make other decisions, I think it makes it so much more easy to be able to, uh, you know, maybe run your business like a business or make some decisions that you wouldn't have made. So I appreciate you saying that, but, um, you know, that is my goal is to help agents get the most out of their agency as much as possible and also live a great life. I mean, this industry is amazing. And I think, I think Aaron Gordon said it's created more millionaires than any other industry. And I don't know if that's true, but I got to tell you, I'm pretty confident it would be up there with the other industries, but not if you're not mining it and, and paying attention and making thoughtful decisions. So you've given great advice today, Josh. I, I appreciate you coming on here and I look forward to seeing you. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Insurance Refocus podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please be sure to hit subscribe and leave us a review so you'll never miss us. Want to learn more about how Agency Focus can help you grow your agency? Head to agency-focus.com or email Carrie directly at carrie at agency-focus.com. If you need to get in touch with me, feel free to shoot me an email at lindsay at agency-focus.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week.